Welcome to the Teach the Geek podcast, where engineer and author Neil Thompson talks with STEM professionals about public speaking, a struggle for many of us. Whether you're a novice public speaker or a proficient one, you can always pick up tips on how to improve. Here's your host, Neil Thompson. Hi, everybody. My name is Neil Thompson. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. The first offering is a course, is a public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. To learn more about it, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Today, my guest is Iori Selassie. Uh, she was actually on a panel that I attended last year at the Blacks in Technology Conference. And I was so impressed by what she had to say that I knew I really wanted to have her on my channel. She's worked in marketing, sales, engineering, she's pretty much done it all. And I'm interested in finding out why she describes herself as a self-preneur. It's a term I've never heard before. I'm interested to hear what that means. And also her foray to public speaking, where that came from, and then her plans for the future. Welcome to the channel, Iori. Thank you, Neil. I'm excited to be here. Great. So I mentioned that I saw you as a panelist on, at the Blacks and Technology Conference. Where did your interest in technology come from? You know, it really just started as a young age. Um, I can say probably the first time I saw Super Mario Brothers and I was completely enamored by the power of the Nintendo and the Sega Genesis and all that kind of stuff. Um, I knew I was going to do something in the magical world of the TV box, which turned into being the computer box. And um, yeah, that's really where it came from. I loved games. Um, and I wanted to create games. When I was 11 years old, my mom uh, made me learn basic programming. At that time, it wasn't like a cool thing. Um, this was before the, the era of AOL. So people didn't even know about the internet yet. Um, so computer programming wasn't something that a lot of people talked about. And, um, and I got into it. And eventually, I got really excited about it because I learned about basically the the precursor to the internet, which was um, networks uh, that you could access through services like Telnet. Um, and there were all sorts of role-playing games happening on those platforms. And you could actually contribute to the creation of those games if you knew a little bit of basic programming. So I started doing that and that's what really kind of kicked everything off. And eventually the internet became a big thing and I started doing web development for, uh, for different businesses. And I've been an entrepreneur ever since. Wow. You know, <clears throat> I think it's really cool that your mother was the one that kind of guided you into programming. I remember when I was a kid, when it came to public speaking, it was no, <laughs> I was just having this conversation with my mother. Let's see, today is Monday, so just a couple of days ago. So when it came to public speaking, it was never something that I really cared to do. It was my mother that, I mean, you, you could use the word guided, or I probably used the word forced, <laughs> didn't get me into it. But, you know, looking back, it definitely was the, the right decision. So kudos to your mom. Yeah. And I mean, on the tip uh, of uh, public speaking, that's, that's a really interesting thing. That's a really interesting topic because I definitely never imagined myself doing any kind of public speaking at all. I'm actually really, really shy. Um, I don't like to use the word shy. I, I'm really, I really love listening to other people. I prefer to, to, to listen and to engage that way rather than being the person who's talking and being the center of attention. And, um, you know, I didn't talk very much, you know, throughout my life, you know, most of my family members would, 
were probably concerned about me because I didn't talk a lot. And um, I think up until I was 19 years old, uh, a lot of people thought I was deaf mute just because <laughs> I didn't speak. It was it was so rare that I would actually contribute and speak in a conversation that people would assume I was deaf and mute. Um, so that's kind of funny. Um, but, um, you know, now I have, uh, I'm really fortunate to be in a space where the things that I'm really passionate about, the things I'm really passionate about helping others learn about, others really want to know about it. So it's given me the opportunity to talk about stuff that I just care about. And it's made public speaking come very easily to me. So I'm, I'm really fortunate in that, in that way. You know what, hearing you talk about your going into public speaking, I, I think I have a pretty similar story. So I just went home not too long ago and was visiting family and I went by my uncle's house and I was telling him about Teach the Geek, you know, what I'm trying to do with helping engineers and scientists with their public speaking. And he said, why would you be the person to do that? Because I remember you as a child, you never spoke. <laughs> it, it's, it's true. I was a very quiet child. I'm, I'm a very quiet adult, to be very honest. And I don't like that term shy either. I, I prefer to think of myself as just, you know, just like you, I'm much more of a better listener than a speaker and a talker, really. And I'm very much introverted, I guess. But when I have something that I have, uh, I, uh, that I know about and I have a message, I have no problem sharing it with people. It's just, I just don't like talking to just, what's the word? What's the term? Thinking out loud. I'm not a big fan of that. I like getting my thoughts together in my head before I, 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 I speak them because I don't like looking like a fool in public. <laughs> to be very honest, <laughs> yeah, getting up yeah. on stage and, and talking about something you know about, I have no problem doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. So I noticed just from a little bit of, of, of research that I did on you that you actually studied graphic design in school. Is there a reason you decided to do graphic design as opposed to, I guess, going down the programming route that your, your mother had suggested? Um, it's, actually, it's actually a horrible story. <laughs> what led me uh, to not actually studying formally, not formally studying computer science. Um, you know, I went to a community college. Um, so I was homeschooled up until I was uh, 18 years old. I, and actually, um, I was responsible for my own education from the time I was 14 until I was 18. So, you know, I created my own curriculum and did all my own, you know, all my own learning. I took a GED. So I didn't officially graduate from high school. I have a a GED. Um, and then when I turned 18, I went to community college. And, um, you know, by then I was obviously, I was already an entrepreneur. I was already building websites, building apps for companies and things like that. I've been running a company for probably about, um, you know, two to three years uh, by then. So I came into um, the computer science department and I actually started tutoring. So I was a computer science tutor and I was a teacher's aide. And I went to the counselor's office for the community college and I told them, hey, here's my plan. I want to study computer science. And the counselor said, um, mm, you know what? Um, I have a better idea for you. How about this? African-American studies. <laughs> and I was just like, wait, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I just came to you with this whole plan of computer science and I'm like talking to you about how the future is in technology and you're telling me I should study African-American studies. And, and they said, yeah, you know, well, you know, it, computer science requires a lot of math. So I thought to myself, wow, this counselor is totally racist. 
um, this is ridiculous. So I basically ended that meeting, scheduled another meeting with another counselor. The next counselor I got was an, actually an African-American person. And would you believe they told me the exact same thing? <laughs> and yeah, so I literally got the same thing from two different counselors. Oh my God. And I just was flabbergasted. And you know what I said after that is I was just like, this administration, I was really frustrated with the administration. I was like, I'm frustrated with this. I don't feel like I'm getting the support that I, that I needed at the time or the encouragement that I needed at the time. So I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to really focus on my finishing my general ed and I'm going to take classes, um, uh, doing things that are just interesting to me. So I ended up focusing more on graphic design um, at the time, which was fun, you know, graphic design, art. I did a lot of painting, oil painting, drawing, um, uh, um, um, you know, typography, stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it really helped my business, to be honest, at the time. It helped my business and it helped me to grow in my entrepreneurship skills because I was able to design better experiences, design better um, interfaces, um, and I was better able to get clients because instead of in school, instead of focusing on hard programming, which is something I can just learn on my own, um, I focused more so on the things that were going to help me become a better communicator, become a better marketer, become a better salesperson. And ultimately, that ended up, I think, being the perfect mix because, you know, I've been an engineer, I've been a quality engineer, I've been a software engineer, I've been a product manager, I've been a, uh, a solutions engineer, an architect, um, and most recently, I became a, a product marketer for, for AI products. So, you know, all in all, weird things happen, you know, in your, in your life. You might have people give you some really bad advice. Just stick to your gut. And I think everything will turn out right. You know, when you were mentioning the two counselors that told you to study African-American studies as opposed to computer science, what you wanted to do, I laughed because, again, this, the, the story kind of similar to mine. So I remember my last year of high school, I, I was in a physics class. And um, I remember the physics teacher calling me up in front of the class at the end. So everyone had left. It was just me and him. And he'd asked me what I wanted to study when I got to college. And I said engineering. And he said that I should, let's see, what were his words? I should probably consider another profession. <laughs> so you know what I did? I went to engineering school and then I graduated. That's what I did, you know? <laughs> so sometimes, you know, people can say what they want, but if you're really motivated to do something, you'll figure out a way to make it happen. And <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, and it's so strange that an African-American counselor told you the same thing. Like, computer science and African-American studies have nothing to do with each other. It's not like he's pushing you into or suggesting you go into maybe a, a similar field. He's completely going to something com totally different. I just, it just mm -hmm. boggles my mind why they would even suggest that. But I'm glad you stuck to your guns and it seems to have worked out for you. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's really interesting if you if you think about it. You know, there has to be things that people have done in advising students that led to this huge STEM gap. Like, it, it, this STEM gap could not have happened just coincidentally. So, you know, I think one of the challenges is that, you know, it's not so much about people not being aware of computer science or the values of computer science when they're studying. I think it's more so like the lack of support uh, systems um, and people 
guiding you and, uh, and helping you to go in that direction throughout the entire pipeline. Um, because there should never be a, a, a counselor that tells someone not to do computer science. Because even if you did computer science and you fail, you're still better off than not having done it um, at all. Because it is, it is truly one of the pillars of, 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 of our modern society. Um, and you cannot lose by going the computer science route and the technology route. Oh, definitely. And I think you're very right when you say that. I mean, it's, it's one thing to, for, you know, to go down that path and fail. But if you have people telling you, people that you were supposed to listen, well, supposed to listen to, you know, these guys constantly, you're supposed to hold them in such high esteem and they're the ones telling you not to do something. People actively putting these kind of roadblocks in, in front of you and then we're surprised that there's this gap. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's absolutely ridiculous. And luckily, in, in my case, I had parents that, you know, even when I told them, the, the physics teacher told me that I should consider something other than engineering. They, I mean, my, my dad went down to the school the next day, actually had a meeting with the teacher and the principal. It was, I know. Serious. Like, it was, I mean, maybe your parents were onto something when they decided to homeschool you. <laughs> yeah. No, you know what? Hey, you know, I honestly, I did the same thing with my daughter um, up until she got to seventh grade. I, I homeschooled her. Um, you know, but I think really the key is, is just making sure you find a community that can support your kid in their education, in their ambition, in their excitement, and to, to never be a roadblock or, or, or introduce doubt to um, a person when they're on the, the path of education. And just to circle back, you know, to kind of tie a bow on that story, I'm actually going back to uh, my community college uh, this week, and I'm speaking on a STEM panel. Um, to to talk to students in the in the computer science department, and so I'm really excited to be going back and to you know to be able to share my story, and you know hopefully maybe I'll there'll be a, a little me in that class, and I'll get to <laughs> give them the right encouragement that they need. Forget that. Maybe those guys counselors are still there, so you can go to their office and be like, "How you like me now?" You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> I think ultimately, uh, I have the spirit of an entrepreneur, right? Um, you know, when I was younger, I used to always, you know, read about, um, you know, the, the, the great, the greats who contributed to the, you know, the, the cultivation and creation of, of technology, people like, you know, Dougie Wilbart and, you know, Steve Wozniak. And, you know, I was inspired by, by those people, you know, Ada Lovelace and, um, and Anita Borg. I was really inspired by those kinds of folks. Um, but as I kind of went on, I really realized that, you know, people like Steve Jobs were actually more like me as a person. Um, and what I mean is like, I've always been able to create things. I've always been very ambitious from a engineering, you know, technological breaking things down and putting things back together um, aspect. But, there's a holistic uh, desire in me to um, architect new worlds, right? Um, to create uh, 
what the future would look like. And that's not always in the nuts and bolts of the code or the methodology that you use to create something. Um, and so I've always kind of struggled between this pull toward telling everybody what the future is going to be, aspiring to that future, and then actually doing the nuts and bolts to create that future. And I've felt this tension between those worlds. And so my career is really just that tension manifested um, in, in what I did to make money, <laughs> you know, um, you know, engineering. Yeah. You know, it was all about give me the toughest problem that you have because I want to solve it. And if I can solve the toughest problem that you have, then I'll be able to solve any problem that would uh, present itself before me in creating the future that I want to create. Um, and then, you know, I, I came to understand that you can be the greatest engineer, you can be the greatest coder in the world, but if you can't communicate your ideas, if you can't get somebody, if you can't get the stakeholders on board to believe that the direction that you want to go in is the right direction and it's worth them investing in, then you will always be building somebody else's future. And I had my own future that I wanted to build. And so the only way I could figure out how to solve that problem was to just immerse myself in the world of sales. And so I surrounded myself by the greatest salespeople in the world, the greatest salespeople and software in the world. And that's, you know, Mark Minioff and, um, and his entire sales army at Salesforce. The most, you know, being, it being the most innovative software company in the world by Forbes magazine, um, you know, all of these things, every company that you can imagine that's doing well is using that technology and is partnering with those leaders. So I said, let me work side by side with these folks who are selling this incredible software. And that was a transformative experience for me because it actually helped me to solve that very, that very challenge that I had, which was getting people on board. Um, you know, I used to be the kind of person where I would just think that people just needed to know the logic and the reasoning behind something. And that was enough. And I, and I would dismiss how important emotion was. I would dismiss how important it was to incorporate other people's visions into my own, other people's aspirations into my own, and co-build uh, a strategy, co-build a vision for the future. Because no one, no one creates anything alone. Steve Jobs didn't create Apple alone. He created with all these other people, many people who just, you know, we don't know their names, you know, unfortunately. But he didn't do it alone. Um, and so that was probably one of the greatest experiences in my career is becoming a sales professional and uh, really understanding the value of that in addition to being an engineer at heart. And then later on, you know, once, once you're a salesperson and you know how to sell, you know how to close a deal, you know how to negotiate, you know how to co-build this, this vision, then you have to scale it, right? So where, where does the world of scale live? when it comes to sales conversations that lived in marketing. And, um, you know, I didn't have any marketing background. I took graphic design. I, marketers would come to me with a vision and they say, build this and I build it. But I, I didn't understand the strategies and the methodologies that they were using um, to, 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 to bring that whole thing together. 
so, you know, um, I, I was kind of fortunate. I had created some really incredible assets that ended up going viral inside of Salesforce, and they ended up basically becoming a, the, a strategy that they used to sell their entire platform. Um, and the head of that department reached out to me and said, you have a future in marketing. And he took me under his wing. Um, and, you know, this is, this is one of the greatest sponsors I ever had in my career. He took me under his wing and he said, come over here and build this Einstein platform with me. And so, um, so I've been doing that for the last couple of years with Salesforce and really fully immersing myself in the world of marketing. And through that, I've done some really exciting things. And I'm really excited to incorporate all of that into my own, you know, platform with Selfpreneur. And, and I'm really excited to share all, with all of you what Selfpreneur is about. Yeah, yeah. So that, that leads very well to the next question. You know, when I did some research on you also, I, I kept coming across this term Selfpreneur. Well, I've heard well, entrepreneur, I've heard intrapreneur even, but I've never heard the term selfpreneur. So what exactly does selfpreneur mean? Yeah, so it's really about creating a new model for innovation and, and, and enterprising, um, a new model for our economy. If you think about um, where technology is going, you can see, you know, a lot of companies are moving to this scale model where they're basically taking folks and enabling them to um, work and leverage their technologies and make a living. You've got, you know, your task rabbits, you've got your Ubers, you've got your Lyft, your, um, you know, your Instacart. These are all different companies um, that are supporting this, this vision of the gig economy. Now, at the end of the day, I can't stand the gig economy. I think it is horrible for people. I think it's horrible for families. Um, I think it's a, a great stepping stone to something greater. And what I think it's a great stepping stone to is what I call the age of the selfpreneur. And the age of the selfpreneur is, is when individuals are really able to create a vision for themselves about what kind of lifestyle do I want to live? What kind of work do I want to be doing every day? Um, and where, what kind of future do I want for myself and my next generation, my offspring? And how can I create a living by, that incorporates all of those things? And ultimately, these individuals that I call selfpreneurs are going to be running their own businesses, but running them in ways that are not burning you to the ground, that are not destroying your families. Um, any entrepreneur who's out there listening, they can tell you how much challenge they've had with maintaining critical and important relationships, personal relationships, whether it's their wives or their children or other people in their family and friend, friendship network. Because being an entrepreneur can be such a solo exercise and being solely focused on monetization of your business can often distract you from the real business of life, which is living. And so a selfpreneur is able to create value for the society, for the world, for their economy, for themselves, and still live that great life where they're happy, they're healthy, and they've got great relationships. And that's really what being a selfpreneur is all about. And so what we're focused on is creating the technology that can help you achieve that, connecting you with the right resources that can help you achieve uh, those things and helping you to really create a vision within yourself that really sits 
you know, well with your own personal sense of integrity um, and allows you to have that holistic uh, experience that is going to make you happy. You know what? I think there's something to be said about, you know, the, the whole concept of, of self-preneur, especially in, in these days and times when you, you could be working at a company one day and then be laid off the next day or, be, you know, succumb to a, a restructuring the next day. There is no, I guess there's no, what's we're looking for? There's no, fina- I guess, finality. That's not the right word, but I guess it works. But there's no finality in, in working at a job. I mean, it used to be security. That was the word. There's no security in working at, at, a, at a company anymore. And I've never, yeah. being, being, I'm, I've never lived through such a, such, such a life. There's <laughs> always been, you know, there's always, you know, I, my, I have a younger sister and she said that at her, at her job, they laid off the entire third floor. <laughs> you know, the whole floor went. And luckily yeah. she was on the fourth floor. So sure, so her job was spared. But, you know, wow. I, I tell her, like, hey, get, get your LinkedIn, get your LinkedIn up to date. You know, <laughs> you're mm-hmm, Because it's coming. So it's, it's really important to be able, not only to, to do the things you like, but you, as you mentioned, be able to monetize it too. Because, you know, bills need to be paid whether you're working a job or not. So, you know, I, I, yeah. I, I commend you for, we're coming up with this whole this whole concept, and hopefully, I I, I can definitely see it taking off. I noticed uh, I came across one, the- one other thing I want to just kind of leave folks with is, you know, talking about the power of artificial intelligence. And I, I know we've heard um, about how artificial intelligence is disrupting economies, is disrupting industries, and ultimately replacing people in a lot of careers and jobs. And it's true, like that is happening, that is coming. And so another core aspect of this concept of the selfpreneur is it's really about future-proofing your career, future-proofing your lifestyle. So no matter what happens in the industry that you're in, you'll be able to provide for your family. Um, and so um, as you kind of start to follow the vision of selfpreneur and what we're doing, you're going to see a lot more and more of the educational products that we're putting out there to help you with artificial intelligence through AI newbies. Um, I'm actually working on a book right now, the, uh, the practical um, guide to artificial intelligence. Um, and it's really designed to approach regular people, not data scientists or, you know, Uber developers who have been building AI for, for years. Um, it's, it's for your typical nurses, your teachers, your people who, you know, are in careers like retail, and they want to know how is this technology going to affect me and how can I continue to succeed as this innovation uh, trail, you know, kind of continues moving forward. Yeah, I mean, just like you mentioned, it's really important, especially in, these day, in this day, to be able to kind of foresee what's, what's going on. Because just like you said, there's going to be certain jobs that are, that are around now, but, you know, in the future, those jobs might be done. And then what? You still got rent to pay. You still have to eat food. <laughs> That hasn't been outsourced mm-hmm. yet. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. That's still in fit. So any any kind of, of mechanism or process you can go through to kind of as you mentioned, future proof your career. I think that's a that's something that people of all of all types should be able to get behind. You know, doing some a little bit more research into you, I came across your your website, lifemodelcanvas.org. Uh, could you explain exactly what that is? What it, um, what you provide with that website? Yeah, so, um, you know, Life Model Canvas is really just, it's a tool that I created um, going through some of the most difficult life challenges 
<laughs> that I've ever experienced. And, um, you know, one of the things is like, um, um, you know, all throughout your life, people are going to give you advice. Um, and, you know, they're going to tell you things. And you're not going to realize how valuable whatever they told you was until you've made the mistake <laughs> and wished you had listened. <laughs> um, and so that was very much, you know, my experience. And I wanted to figure out how can I avoid this? How can I avoid living the pain that others, you know, are trying to help me avoid? Um, and so uh, at, the, at the end of the day, it really came down to, you know, one key concept, um, and it was your values. And identifying what your personal values are, really your core values, because our core values are really what drives us, what drives our daily decisions, what drives our business, um, um, our, um, what drives who we surround ourselves with. And sometimes we think our values are something, but the values that are really being expressed by our behavior are something different. And, um, and that was particularly something that I realized was happening with, within myself. Um, what I was saying were my values wasn't really the values that I was acting on in my life. And so I went through this process of introspection and I found that I needed to hold myself accountable going through this process of introspection. So I actually just created a tool. Um, I started with a spreadsheet where I would kind of just write down all my different ideas and the things that, um, you know, uh, was, was going on with me. And eventually I found that it got really complicated and I needed to create, I needed to create a system to organize it all. And that became a tool called the Life Model Canvas. So the Life Model Canvas helps you to take your personal life, your family life, and your career and holistically align them all based on your values, your goals, and what I call your moonshots, which are, which are, you know, those great dreams that we all have. Um, and, and I am truly a person who believes that we must never give up on our dreams. And the, the thing that creates like depression and anxiety and sadness in our life is usually something that is challenging our dreams and taking that away from us. And when we start to feel our dreams being dismissed, that's when we go into the darkest places of our lives. And so Life Model Canvas is really a tool to help you to focus on what really matters, like not what really matters, but like what really, really, really matters so that you can cut through the noise of life so you can stop living other people's dreams and start living your own dreams. And it has been so transformative for my own life. Uh, I didn't think that it was something that could help other people. And then people started coming to me and I, Yori, like, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? And I would say, well, I'll show you the crazy thing that I do. And I would show them my life model canvas and they would be like, can I have it? Can you show me how to use this? And I started showing people, just friends, how to use it. And then they said, oh my gosh, you need to make this available to everyone. So then I turned it into a product um, and made it available to everyone. And I even have a couple of companies that are currently running the digital um, beta version, um, and they're also getting really great success with it. So ultimately, I'm, I'm hoping to roll out the entire platform uh, to the rest of the population through, um, through an application. 
Um, but we've been moving kind of slowly on that one because I've got so many dreams and so many things that I want to do that it's sometimes difficult for me to prioritize. So you're definitely going to see, uh, first you're going to see the book on artificial intelligence come out and then you'll be able to, uh, in the meantime, you'll be able to use the life model canvas, the uh, physical version, um, which you can either print out or, or purchase the poster and use it at home with sticky notes physically. Um, and then eventually you'll see further on down the line, the platform that we launch to help you to do life model uh, design and life model canvassing um, in a digital way. Wow. That, that, that sounds really interesting. Just hearing you describe it, it, it definitely sounds like it, and not only that, but it kind of, it, it relates very well to your, you know, your idea of, of future proofing your career as well. You know, be able to see that the path that you want to go down for yourself and, you know, having your, you know, having your goals and, and, the, and the, the ways in which to reach them. It seems like the yeah. large model canvas is really, can be really helpful in just being able to map all that out. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I like to say that if you're an entrepreneur, the key thing to you being a successful entrepreneur is to have a, solid business model. But I say, if you're going to be a selfpreneur, which is much better than any entrepreneur, if you're going to be a selfpreneur, what you really need is a solid life model. And um, so they definitely connect, um, they intersect. And, um, and I truly believe that this is the, the answer that we need to create a great future where everyone is able to live up to their highest potential. Um, and ultimately, their highest happiness in life. Yeah, for sure. You know, you got millions of people walking around the earth each day, and they're not happy with where they're at. And they, they just don't know how to get to where they want to go. So any kind of process or technique that they can implement to, to get them to where they want to be, I think it yeah. would definitely be really, would, would definitely be appreciated and well-received. And I guess you're, you know, the fact that people are interested in what you're doing is a testament to that. So, you know, mm -hmm. I mentioned you know, public speaking also in the, your four reasons of public speaking in the intro, is public speaking something that you've always been, well, you kind of mentioned that it wasn't something that you ever saw yourself doing. So what have you, what kind of things have you done to be able to improve? Yeah, you know, um, I can say there was, uh, there was one woman who I met who really, who really made me want to be a better speaker. And um, her name was Joyce Liu. She, she lived up in um, uh, um, British Columbia. She was an engineer that I worked really closely with on, on a lot of different products. You know, and she, um, she had been, um, English, uh, English was her second language. Um, and she spoke so well. She was so eloquent. She, and, and she had only been speaking English for, English for maybe about six years. And it just, it, blew my mind how much of a great speaker she was. So I asked her, so what, what is it? What did you do to become such a great speaker, even in a second language? And she told me that she went to Toastmasters. And uh, so I said, okay, I'm going to do that. So I actually went to Toastmasters, and in a year, I uh, finished their, you know, first level um, uh, certification uh, through Toastmasters. And a lot of people have told me, they said, Ayur, you must not have done Toastmasters because Toastmasters turns you into a terrible public speaker. And I said, no, actually, I did it. And, and it's not Toastmasters that makes you into a great speaker or not. You know, Toastmasters is really just a program that gets you to speak regularly. 
And the more you speak regularly, the better a speaker you're going to become. Um, the more you surround yourself with people who want to present better, who want to um, share their ideas in a better way, the better you're going to be able to do that yourself. So it, it is, you know, as people say, your network is your net worth. And it's true, you know, so that was the first thing that I did. Um, and after that, um, I just started speaking every chance I got, you know, um, I would speak up more often in my team meetings uh, with people and I would take it really seriously because if people are going to give you their time and attention, you know, you better really care about what you have to say and really care about helping them get the concept, get the idea, the core idea that you're trying to deliver. And, um, and that led me to do it, delivering keynotes and speaking on panels and um, doing all sorts of things like that. And I love it. I, I really enjoy it. Um, I'm still an introvert. So after I get off stage, I go and I do, do my quiet place and I'm like, <laughs> and I've got my headphones on and I have to recenter myself. But for those moments when I'm sharing those ideas and, and people appreciate those ideas, it's really powerful. And it really, really makes me feel um, a sense of accomplishment and a sense of completion and that I'm living my purpose. You know what? I, I also, I was a member of Toastmasters for a number of years and it was, it's an excellent forum to practice your public speaking. But, but just like you mentioned, regularly doing it, you'll get better at it. It's not something that you can read in a book or watch a podcast or, you know, just you know, read internet articles. It's something that you actually have to go out and do. And I really liked your point about caring about what you have to say. When you were mentioning speaking in, in company meetings, I, I firmly believe that if you don't care about what you're talking about, no one else will either. And it shows. So it's mm -hmm. very important to, to care about what you have to say. I remember when I was a Toastmaster, yeah, as you know, you have prepared speeches and then you have the evaluation. And, you know, you get evaluation from the evaluators, but then you can also get evaluation, you know, less, less structured evaluation from the other members that were, that were listening to your speech. And when it comes to giving that kind of feedback, I'm a firm believer that you listen to all feedback that you get, but you don't have to implement all of it. Because oftentimes, mm -hmm. even I noticed when I was in Toastmasters, someone would say one thing and then another person would say the exact opposite. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. I do what you're comfortable with at the end of the day. I agree 100%. And, you know, and it's also really important to make sure that you're getting feedback from your audience, the audience that you want to be speaking to and that you want to be able to reach. Right. Um, and another thing that I think is really important that actually I didn't learn in Toastmasters, but I learned from some very powerful mentors of mine. And it, it was that, it's not about the methods that you learn when you're learning public speaking. It's about learning those methods and having those methods help the, the thing inside of you come out. Because if you get up there and if I get up on stage and I start speaking like Neil, because I say Neil's a great public speaker, I'm going to speak like Neil. I'm not being myself. And ultimately, the thing that really connects with an audience is whoever you are and the message that you're delivering in your voice. So, you know, your job as you're learning and practicing the public speak is to find your own voice and to stick with that because that's the one that's going to resonate with your audience. I 
firmly believe what you just said. I think when a lot of people think about public speakers, they think about people like Tony Robbins or, or Les Brown, you know, those type of, you know, real rah rah, bombastic type of speakers. And, and I, I just, that kind of stuff just doesn't resonate with me very much. A lot of times I'm just looking at them thinking, why is this guy yelling? <laughs> Maybe that's the introvert in me, or I don't know, but. I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I I love Tony Robbins and I love Les Brown, but if I tried to present like like those folks, you know, it, is, it wouldn't be right. It I would fail, and no one would like me. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Because you're not being who you are. You're you're doing an impersonation of them. You're absolutely right. You have to come across mm-hmm. as, as as who you are, and and that's what people. That's what people. That's what people will gravitate towards. I'm, I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. When it comes to public speaking, do you ever get nervous? And if so, how do you deal with the nerves? Um. Oh my gosh. Um. I pray. I really, really pray, because um, you know, you know, you're gonna make mistakes. You're gonna make mistakes, but ultimately, like, I just have to rely and have to have faith that the message that's inside of me is going to come out. Um, you know, and uh, uh, there's a, um, a, a talk I gave actually last year, I, I spoke in uh, the Einstein keynote at Dreamforce and it's actually online. It's on YouTube if you want to check it out. And, um, and I was up there and I was presenting and at some point, you know, I said, this ain't your daddy's CRM. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, where did that come from? <laughs> where did that come from? But people kept coming up to me all throughout the conference and they were like, I loved your presentation. Yeah, this ain't your daddy's CRM. And it was just like the funniest thing for the rest of the entire week. Um, and that wasn't something that I had practiced. That was just something that kind of came out in the moment. And, um, and I really believe, you know, before I get up on stage, I always pray and I always ask God to help me connect with the people in the room that, that he wants me to connect to, help me deliver the message that needs to be received to the people that are waiting to hear that message and whatever they learn from me, let them use it for good. Um, I'm not on stage to, um, to, uh, plus my own ego, right? I'm not up there to, to feel good about myself or to hear myself speak. Um, I'm a vessel. Um, I'm here for a purpose. And um, as soon as I deliver that purpose, I'm trying to get off that stage as fast as I can. Um, and, and I'm so thankful, you know, to the spirit that, that guides and, and helps that message to come out. So, um, so you'll always see me probably listening to some gospel music before I go up. You'll probably see me uh, practicing my speech before I go up and doing horribly <laughs> because, you know, you got to get the worst, you got to get the worst um, speeches out before you can get to that good one or that great one. And, um, and that's, that's kind of my, my method that I follow. And I follow that to a T every time I pray before I go up there, I, you know, I, I meditate, I go inside myself. And then, um, and, um, and God has blessed me every time. And I, and I really am thankful to God for that because it's an incredible opportunity to be able to share uh, with, you know, with an audience, you know, with, with you all who are listening, it's an incredible opportunity. So, you know, I'm even thankful for this right here. This is great. Thank you. Oh, no problem. I mean, 
I, as I mentioned in the intro, I wasn't bullshitting when I said this. When, when I heard you speak on the panel, I, I was like, wow, this, this woman knows some stuff. I really want to, I want to know her. I want to know what her story is. So thank you for even coming on, coming on the channel. Is there anything else you'd want anyone or anyone listening to know about the thing that you're working on? Yeah, you know, definitely. Um, my, my, my big project that I'm working on right now is AI Newbies. So you can go to AINewbies.com um, and you can, um, you can pre-order the book. Um, uh, you don't have to pay anything today. Just put your name in, and information in there and then you'll get um, notified when, uh, as soon as you can purchase that book. Um, and, you know, really, I just really want people to know that, you know, major changes are coming in our society. We're entering this we are in this, what we call the fourth industrial revolution. So if you've heard of the, you know, uh, uh, first industrial revolution, second and the third, right? The first was steam power. The second was electricity. The third was computing technology. Now this fourth industrial revolution is powered by artificial intelligence. There is no one who will not be touched and impacted by artificial intelligence. Our governments are using it. Every company that you interface with on a regular basis are using it. You're using it. Every time you go to Instagram, Facebook, every time you check your email, artificial intelligence is behind the scenes um, guiding you and, um, and nudging you in different directions. And um, your career, in order for you to be able to provide well for your family in the future, in order for you to future-proof your career, you need to skill up on AI. You need to know how it's going to impact your industry that you're working in today. If, if you're working in an industry today that in doing work that you're not passionate about and you know what you are passionate about, you need to be learning how artificial intelligence is going to impact what you're truly passionate about so you can make that transition, so you can make that career shift, so you can start putting your energy in a place that satisfies your soul. So AI Newbies is really created to help you do that in a fun, easy, approachable, and engaging and interactive manner. So check out AI Newbies. We're going to be releasing content for um, eventually for every different industry, every major industry. But right now, we're getting everyone on the same page, you know, with uh, with our book um, and with our content. And um, soon, we'll be launching a podcast too, if you're interested in podcasts. Right. Well, in addition to getting in touch with you through AINewbies.com, is there any other way that people can get in touch with you? Yeah, sure. You know, definitely connect with me on LinkedIn. Um, if you connect with me on LinkedIn, please let me know that send a note that you um, saw me on Teach the Geek um, through Neil. Thank you again for um, allowing me to be on your platform today. Um, you can also go to my personal website, IoriSelassie.com. And you can also access um, me through uh, social media. Um, I'm on Instagram at IAYORI, so I-A-Y-O-R-I. Um, I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all those different platforms. You can like my Facebook page. Um, there's lots of ways to get access to me. You'll find them. Uh, don't be shy, but do let me know that you heard about this through Teach the Geek. Wonderful. Again, thank you, Iori, for being on the channel. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Um, have a great rest of your day. Yeah, so everybody, again, my name is Neil Thompson. I'm the founder of Teach the Geek. It's an online platform for science and engineering professionals. 
The first offering is an online public speaking course called Teach the Geek to Speak. To learn more about it, you can go to teachthegeek.com. Again, that's teachthegeek.com. Until next time, take care.